Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
they didn't go into great backstory. That's what they showed is him being burned by that. But the fact that he chased a man into a cave to begin with and attacked him there leads me to believe there was some pre-existing prejudices that simply weren't discussed. Uh, because of this conflict, uh, Mowgli decides to leave the wolf pack because they'd all be in danger despite an overwhelming numerical advantage. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I'm going to get through this, then I'll do my spiel. All right. Uh, he is his, uh, you know, not parent, but kind of, you know, the weird uncle, you know, the good uncle, the spiritual guider, the teacher, Bagheera, the panther. Ah. I I really need to. There's so much about this movie that bothered me on a personal level because I know entirely too much about how these things actually work. Are you going to be able to get through this? Do you need me to do this? No, no, I got it. Anyway, and Lily can explain this movie really, really good. She's seen the cartoon Jungle Book a thousand times. You want me to get her? Uh, No, you are not giving my position to your daughter. Not yet, at least. Get on with it. As Bagheera is taking Mowgli to the man village where he will be safe from Shere Khan because the tiger won't attack a, you know, a village. Uh, they get separated. He piggybacks on some buffalo, gets washed down a river, meets Baloo the bear. Uh, the ecology of this particular jungle is so wildly, wildly divergent from you know, all known things. Uh, Baloo kind of hustles him into helping him get honey. Mowgli, because he is a man, and apparently all Indian men are born with the intrinsic ability to create braided rope from ferns and know how to make tools and understand leverage points and pulley systems, so on and so forth. He gets a lot of honey for the for Baloo, who is just you know happy to have honey. Uh, Bagheera comes down, finds him, and tries to convince him to go to the to the man village again. He doesn't want to. He is spirited away by monkeys to meet uh, King Louis, who in this is not simply an orangutan, but a gigantopithecus, which is an extinct species of ape. And there go my dogs. Sorry about that. Uh, Anyway, this, you know, the giant ape wants uh, the secret of fire so that he can evolve. Uh, Mowgli does not know how to make fire, so he you know, clearly can't help. Uh, brief chase ensues. Louis reveals to Mowgli that Shere Khan actually went to the wolf pack and killed the alpha because he wouldn't turn Mowgli over to him. So Mowgli now in a rage steals a torch from the man village and goes off to confront Shere Khan. Starts a bit of a wildfire. There's a confrontation. Shere Khan dies. Elephants show up. They divert a stream because elephants are now beavers. Divert a river. Stop the wildfire. Mowgli settles into his new position in the jungle. Not merely as a member of the wolf pack, but now kind of finding his own way as a man who lives in the jungle. Did I miss anything, Mark? No, you pretty much got it. I mean, look, if you've seen the Disney animated cartoon... With a, a few changes, one, they don't have the Indian girl in this. Two, Mowgli doesn't, spoiler, Mowgli, Mowgli doesn't go back to the man village at the end. He stays in the jungle. Um, three, the entire, <laughs> the entire jungle uh, attacks Shere Khan in a Braveheart moment. Um, aside from those couple of changes, it's pretty much a, an exact remake of the cartoon. Um, down, almost down to the dialogue uh, and, and some of the some of the action sequences. Um, the bit with the elephants is a little bit different. Uh, they they do include two songs from the original. I want to be like you, and uh, which, which is sung by Christopher Walken, who is King Louis. Which, if look, if there's a reason to see this movie, it's Christopher Walken as an orangutan. Singing, I want to be like you. Not an orangutan, he's a gigantopithecus. As a monkey, singing, I want to be like you. An ape, not it's, a monkey. It's hilarious. Okay? It is. I, I want to be like you. Oh, oh. I want to walk like you. I talk like you. Give me that red fire. That's the, 
<laughs> no, so that, that red flower. <laughs> if this if this movie spawns a an entire album of Christopher Walken doing basically William Shatner talk singing songs, I will be perfectly happy. <laughs> I, that's going right. That's going on my workout mix. What are you kidding me? Um, yeah, it, it's really uh, that, that song Walken. will hit, will rank very highly on the iTunes list very very shortly. <laughs> um, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do they actually they they, they do sing Bare Necessity, don't they? Yes, there is a sequence where Mowgli is floating on Baloo's belly, and they both sing the Bare Necessities. Right, okay, so, but the Elephant Song is not in there. Um, the I Will Get the Water Song is not in there. Plus, the girl is not in there as, as well. So, what did we uh, come away with from this movie? Let me, I brought my, my five-year-old daughter, who loves the cartoon. I, you know, I know she's the... Uh, She's your eight, she's your typical young Disney fan. She loves all the princess movies, loves Frozen, loves Cinderella. Every week she has a new favorite. Um, this one week is Sleeping Beauty. The next week it's someone from Frozen. The week after that it's it's Jasmine. Whatever. Um, but she also loves the Jungle Book. She just thinks it's the greatest. And uh, you know initially. If you if you go back a couple of months on this show, we talked about whether or not I was going to bring my daughter to this. And my daughter, while not afraid of physical things, likes roller coasters, likes to go fast, um, you know, likes when Daddy roughhouses with her and wrestling and all that. Not a huge fan, though, of being frightened and tends to frighten a little easily. So, she, so she's weird like that. So we know so, she's your daughter. Shut up. Um, so it's kind of hard to pin her down and, and figure out like where she's going to land on certain things. Um, and initially, my wife was against me bringing her to the Jungle Book because you know when they originally ran the marketing for this movie, the scene that they uh, uh, look the initial marketing for this was just Scarlett Johansson as Ka, and it, it's a black screen with 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 uh, writing. And you hear Scarlett Johansson narrating Ka's, Ka's uh, uh, the scene where Ka is hypnotizing Mowgli. Um, you know, there, there, bear cub, you can stay with me. And then, you know, you realize that he's in Ka's coils and about to be eaten. Um, so the idea was that this was very, very intense, that this was probably not going to be good for her, considering the girl is scared of ants. Um, <laughs> they had to quit soccer because of this reason. So maybe, you know, watching a snake devour an Indian boy was not the best thing to, to show my daughter. But, you know, after uh, after some going go, going over it and reading some of the early reviews and then and then showing the, tr- the full trailer to her and my wife, she said she wanted to go see it. Well, how did she how did the intended audience for this thing react? Um, the theater that I saw it in and this was Saturday morning, uh, pretty full, a lot of families, a lot of adults. Uh, people seem to pretty much enjoy it. My daughter, um, she liked it, though there were some scenes where she had to bury her arm, her face in my arm because she was frightened of what was going on. Um, and, and it was what you might think, you know, the car scene, some of the stuff with Cher Khan. Anytime things got a little too intense for her, she might have even done it during one of the bits with the with the, <laughs> with the Mowgli and the bees. Um, you know, when he starts going, hey, they're stinging me. She's like, oh, no, and hides her head. Um, Can I just say that uh, this child acted better around bees than Nicolas Cage did? <laughs> so for the most part, um, again, the intended audience, the child was with it and enjoyed it and it captured her attention for the full 90-plus minutes. Uh, as for the adult, myself, I liked it. I mean... I, it's amazing to me. I didn't think this movie was going to do as well as it's done. It was the number one movie of the weekend. Um, according to box By office a substantial Mojo, margin. Yeah, it's already it's already made its, its profit. But I'm just looking – Box Office Mojo, if you've ever been to their website, on their title page, it shows you showdown. So, for example, um, Melissa McCarthy has a movie out right now called The Boss. And, and you're all bad for seeing it. Not the point. Um, I just, they show I, it's the, a reflex at this point. I have to say it. You should you should have better control of your reflexes. 
star. Um, Compulsion, then. They show the boss versus Tammy, which was her last uh, solo outing, and they compared the 12-day totals, where actually Tammy has done better. By comparison, they did a uh, last year's remake uh, around this time, which we reviewed right here on the show, was Cinderella, which was, again, a almost a, not, not a shot for shot, but a, a basically a live action remake of the cartoon. That's what Disney's doing with these in a lot of ways. So they compared yeah. the Jungle Book five-day total to Cinderella, and it blew it out of the water. Uh, 119 million versus 78 million. So this thing has got an audience. Um, I don't know. I don't know quite what it is about this movie that's brought so many people out. I guess because it's it it it, uh, it, it markets to both boys and girls. It's talking animals, so it's sort of the Zootopia effect, if you will, where um, it, it doesn't have a boy audience, doesn't have a girl audience. It says everybody come and watch because really we all love talking animals, don't we? And they all yeah, came and watch because yeah, they all love talking animals. Uh, you you don't like anything you're against it um so uh so i would say there there's a good sort of uh rule of thumb you know zootopia jungle book talking animals they get uh that being said it's it's very well done um john favreau directed and uh the voice work top notch idris elba as sher khan delivers a commanding performance uh we already talked about christopher walken as king louis (laughs) <laughs> Christopher Walken was born to play King Louis. This is his best work since the Deer Hunter. Um, oh, this is clearly well, superior, superior to the Deer Hunter. So. Yeah, by by a larger margin. Um, ben Kingsley as Bagheera is very very good. Uh, Bill Murray as Baloo is okay. I mean, comes he comes a. Baloo is a little bit more likable in the cartoon version. He's sort of the lovable oaf, and he doesn't quite seem to be taking as much advantage of Mowgli as this. I mean, Bagheera, the character, outright calls him a con artist, and that's exactly how he comes across on this. He comes across as, instead of sort of Mowgli's protector, as more of a, you know, shifty pedophile. (laughs) It's it's just weird. Um, Bill Murray's okay. I, I, I mean... As far as the performance goes, I don't really fault Bill Murray so much as I fault how the character is written. And again, I, I'm going to go with at the very. If you don't like the word pedophile, take it out of there, and we'll just run with shifty. He's too shifty for me. But overall, not totally unlikable. Um, the wolves, the, the, those who played the wolves, are fine. I think Lupita Nyong'o plays the the the, uh, the matron of the pack. Um. The CGI, and I'm sure Robert will get more in depth with the CGI since he has more of an eye for it. Uh, it looked fine to me. Talking animals, I mean, um, looked better than some, I think. Uh, it kept me in the movie. I was not ever taken out of the movie because of bad CGI. Uh, and lastly, just sort of summing up performances, the kid who plays Mowgli, not terrible. I mean, if Jake Lloyd is sort of the high point of bad child acting, um, I, I and we'll say Jake Lloyd's a ten, and the kid from um, you know uh, what's his face, the I see dead people kid. Haley Joel um, Osment. Okay, actually, let me reverse that. We'll say Haley Joel Osment's a ten. You know, he's probably the best of the child actors historically, uh, and the worst being Jake Lloyd. I'm gonna give this kid a five between a five and seven. Um, they gave him so just sick. enough so to. Sick. Well, I mean. It, it, it ranges depending on the part of the movie you focus on. So he sort of ranges between five to seven throughout the movie. Um, I guess, you know, if you want to pin me down on a specific number, uh, six is fine. Uh, he's not terrible. He's passable, so five. Some points he's better than others. Other points, you almost want to, you know, it, it almost looks like he's going to look off screen at the director and going, is that good? <laughs> Not always the most believable performance is what I'm saying. But he, uh, again, he's not so bad. He's not Jake Lloyd bad. You know, he isn't so bad that I want to, you know, walk out of the movie theater or throw something at the screen. 
So those are uh, all my, my overall thoughts with the, uh, the performance. I can't really get into the plot because it's the same fucking plot as the cartoon. It's essentially, you know, the kid's got to leave the jungle before Shere Khan eats him or kills all the wolves. <laughs> you know, there's not a whole lot to discuss there. So, Robert, your thoughts. I'm with you on the, kid. You on the kid. He does a passable does. job, and the narrative and the movie is constructed in such a way as to limit his it limits the opportunities he has to sabotage the movie and that's a that's a credit to the structure of the film by and large uh, as for the voice acting uh i'm with you again it's all solid uh bill murray as blue kind of ranges from okay to goofy to you know kind of goofily uh funny and you know gets a few one liners in you know does a solid job ben kingsley's fine i mean he's there for a paycheck but that's fine uh christopher walken as king louis was inspired as was scarlett johansson as ka that uh, that one kind of caught me off guard when i actually was sitting there watching it i mean i'd heard a couple of people talk about it but that was uh again Oh, I forgot to mention casting. her. I forgot to mention her, and shame on me, because she is by far the best. Her performance, limited as it is, because Ka, at least in the cartoon, makes two appearances. She only makes one appearance in this, and it's basically one long monologue, and she steals the movie. Scarlett Johansson is outstanding as Ka. Uh, she was by far my favorite part, and the one, and, and indeed the one part of the movie that freaked the shit out of my daughter. No, yeah, she does great. Apparently, there's uh, on the soundtrack. They when they released the you know the soundtrack for this movie, there's a few inclusions. Uh, you get the full uh, Christopher Walken doing "I Want to Be Like You." You also get her singing Cause song "Trust in Me." Oh, really? Which, uh, it apparently plays over some of the end credits. Uh, we left before it got to that point, but yeah. Ooh, we may have to listen to that before this podcast is over tonight. Uh, I'd rather you did that on your own time, but okay. <laughs> Why? What? You don't want to hear Scarlett Johansson singing Trust in Me? Yeah, I do, but I don't know. Professionalism's long gone out the window on this show, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know, but just like the Metal Hammer of Doom, I'm uploading tracks as we're talking about them. Uh, if you feel compelled to do so, by all means, go for it. No, it's a, I'll spare you, I guess. Eh, again, if you want, I mean, this is your show. It is technically your time. So if you want to, go ahead. Yeah, okay, move on. Uh, Idris Elba brings a good menace to Shere Khan. Uh, I appreciated that. Uh, yeah, I don't have, there's not a whole lot of negative, uh, the criticisms I have. The CGI was not nearly as bad as I was afraid it would be. Uh, I, I was terrified that I would just like wind up with a migraine 20 minutes into this thing. Uh, fortunately, not that bad. There's a few places and moments and characters that make me again, kind of go you, but apart from that, no, they did a really Really nice job with it. I, I the wolf cubs were overly fluffified. Uh, just, <laughs> they, they were clearly made up for. Yes, it's a word. <laughs> fluffified, you say? Yes, to be made more fluffy. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, go on. Uh, the monkeys, uh, just like all the monkeys, except for King Louie. The rest of the monkeys just kind of didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, oh, what was the other one? Oh, actually, Baloo. I did not care for Baloo. He just, uh, I'm not entirely sure what it was, but. Did you get the same uh, feeling that, I mean, as far as the performance and the voice acting, that, like, the way he was written was, I mean, I think Baloo genuinely cared for Mowgli in the cartoon, and the I don't get that impression with Blue. You didn't get the impression that he came to care for that kid so much that he'd 
as a bear climb a near vertical mountain face? Again, towards the end of the movie, it comes across, but their time together, I, I, it more for me came across like he recognized that the kid uh, served a purpose and that was all there was to him. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't get a genuine sense from the way the character's written. I didn't get a genuine sense that he gave a shit about the kid. I guess maybe until Bagheera told Baloo he had to go, and and then it kind of comes to a head, and he realizes, oh, I do care about the kid. Um, so you're complaining about character development instead of having it be flanderized into, hey, we just met, we're best buddies. I'm not complaining. I'm sharing some thoughts. And okay, okay that makes that makes sense. I'm not, not you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna stay. I'm not gonna yell at you, Robert Winfrey. <laughs> not gonna stand. Not gonna stand on my pedestal on this one. Like I said, I, I, you're absolutely right. He um, seems to see him more as the utility until there's the fear of losing him, which brings out how he truly feels about the kid. I, I guess it maybe could have been stronger. I don't know. I just I. I don't, it could have been felt, stronger. I'll give you that. There's just. That le- it left me wanting more. I wanted more out of Bill Murray's performance, I guess. You'll get it in the sequel. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the differences between the cartoon and the movie. Uh, let's go with the, with, with the most glaring one. Uh, there are no other humans in this movie. He's not... In the cartoon, he doesn't want to leave until he sees the girl who gets the water and who one day will send her daughter to get the water. Um, and because the he's a horny little boy, <laughs> and because he's a horny little boy, he follows her to the village. That's literally how it goes. I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, boner, he goes to the village. Okay, Isn't that how it works, though? <laughs> Very true. Men do follow their boners. Uh, like divining rods. Um in this one, there is no there is no girl to fetch the water, and he does not go to the village as such. So again, uh, wait for what, the sequel. Is that what you is that what you thought it was uh, that they left it open with him still in the jungle so they could build upon this? I think they left the possibility open. I also think they wanted to tell a different narrative in the sense of. The cartoon version of the Jungle Book is very much a coming-of-age story for a kid in transition towards adolescence, whereas here we have a 10-year-old, and it's more about his safety than it is his maturity and growth. Well, I think also it's about him. And they also want to avoid Kipling's inherent racism of stay with your own kind. Well, what I was going to say was, I think a big part of this movie, uh, thematically, is is about accepting him as a man cub and not a wolf, and not an animal as such. I think there's, you know, they talk a lot about the you know, his tricks and the, you know these tricks have no place in the jungle, and that at the end he, he sort of accepted as you know those tricks are part of who he is. Yeah, the the theme in the cartoon is much more, again, coming into your own and maturation and growth. This one is more about everyone needs to, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, people who can communicate, uh, can people love each other. You. People should accept you for who you are, and you should be able to use whatever bathroom you like. And it's uh, almost nauseating, personally, in a lot of ways, but... <laughs> So, according to the Wikipedia page, following the film's early financial and critical success, the studio has begun work on a sequel film, Mowgli's Revenge. No, um, I asked that last part. On a sequel film, Favreau is reported to return as director, and Neil Sethi is reported to reprise, reprise his role as Mowgli, while screenwriter Justin Marks is also negotiating to return. So, there you go. The the uh, profitability pay hostage. Uh, oh, yeah. The Jungle Book. This thing's made, what, worldwide over $330 million? Uh, yes, They've sir. All, 
their opening week worldwide to grosses to date have already put them into a profitable position. The thing had a large budget, 170 some odd million if memory serves. Not a small budget. And they have already, and again, for those of you who don't know, Mark and I bring this up from time to time. Every podcast. For a movie to be profitable, it has to double its budget because studios reclaim 55% of the gross ticket sales. So in order to actually start making money, you can't just reach your budget. You must double it, give or take. They've already done it. And well, they'd be stupid lands, not to pursue a sequel. Where it lands on the 2016 worldwide grosses, we are currently at num- in its first week, we are at number seven. It's nestled between Monster Hunt, um, which is some Chinese Chinaman movie from what I recall, and The Monkey King. Another Chinese Chinaman movie. Um, <laughs> the, the top five, by the way, are Zootopia, Batman v Superman, Deadpool, The Mermaid, and The Chinese Chinaman, and Kung Fu Panda. Decidedly not Chinese Chinaman. Um, <laughs> the racism. It's so apparent. Whatever. At least I don't care who uses what bathroom. And maybe if you cared more about that and less about people's skin color, we'd all be in a better place as a society. <laughs> no, I care about the jobless future, but this is not that kind of podcast. Moving on. Um, so uh, is there anything else left to talk about? Uh, well, the other major difference between this and um, between this one and the original, uh, the, the cartoon, uh, the elephants don't play... They play a different role in this movie. Uh, they are the engineers of the jungle, as you called them, beavers. Uh, they are basically and- God, because uh, I mean, and realistically, that's kind of the role elephants occupy. Once they're out of their infancy, nothing really hunts them. They are kind of—they're not predators because they're herbivores, but they are, you know, it as far as you know. So in the uh, cartoon. The in the cartoon, they act as sort of a marching army, and they're not treated with any kind of respect as such uh, as they are in the uh, in, in this version. In the cartoon, they're, they're sort of made for a gag, uh, and Mowgli sort of... It, so the problem with the cartoon is, leading up to I want to be like you, that's kind of Mowgli's gimmick, is I'm a wolf, I'm a this, I'm a that, look, now I'm an elephant. You know, he's trying to find where he fits in by being, by trying to be these different animals. And so the whole bit with the elephants is it gives him an opportunity to sort of pal around with the, with the little baby elephant. And it's an ongoing joke about how they're, you know, about how they march eternally and sort of a disgruntled army. Um, and this one, there's none of that. The elephants don't even talk. They just, they kind of show up once, but Garrett tells them to bow their heads. There's a really funny joke after this because then, then, then there's a bit with, I think it's water buffalo uh, or oxen or something like that. Because what do we have That's to bow them to? He's like, no, stupid. <laughs> and Shere Khan jumps out. <laughs> I did enjoy that. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's no girl to fetch the water. The elephants are different. He doesn't go to the village. He ends up uh, staying with the wolves. The last, I would say the last major difference in this is that is the end sequence where they brave heart uh, Shere Khan, where in the in the cartoon I I know there's a final fight as well with Shere yeah, Khan. Yeah, Shere Khan matches up Blue and then Mowgli ties a burning branch to his tail, and apparently uh, and this it's a Disney cartoon. What do you want? So in this one, there's a there's a sequence where Mowgli and the dwarves uh, run around the, um, the, the gold horde and try to capture Shere Khan in a, uh, in a, in a molten golden statue. Wait, I'm confusing movies. There's this one. <laughs> they have Mowgli running around a bunch of trees getting Shere Khan to fall on, off a dead branch into fire. Okay. Yeah, yay, yay for extended, uh, complete, completely fictionalized 
not fictionalized, that's the wrong word, it's all fiction, com- uh, completely ridiculous uh, action sequences. Well, you know, he's a kid. He has to outsmart Shere Khan. That's the only way he can beat him. I understand that, but I mean, again, that's why I made the joke about uh, uh, about the, the desolation of smog. You know, it's like we don't know how to end this movie. Fuck it, let's do an extended uh, let's do an extended, overly complicated uh, action sequence. You see, and I'd argue that's absolutely not the case here. This ending is actually much more accurate to how Mowgli does get rid of Shere Khan in the source material. Oh, does he? Oh, I, again, I don't know. I didn't. I, I don't. Books are for burning, Robert Winfrey. I don't read no books. I ain't, no, I ain't much for book learning. <laughs> I ain't much for book learning. See? Yeah, well aware of that. <laughs> um, it's okay. So it's it, it, it's it gets close to the source materials. That's fine. Uh, I, I, you know, without knowing that and just watching the movie as it was. It pays off some earlier stuff with Mowgli, and so I don't, I don't fault it. It just again can't come across as we don't know how to end this movie. So fuck it, let's do an extended act. Let's do an extended, overly complicated action sequence. Um, better than the des- they pull it off better than Desolation of Smog. I'll give them that much. Do I hate and it? And it's no. certainly better than him tying a burning branch to a tiger's tail. I would have much preferred that. Oh come on! Do you have any? First of all, that doesn't work. Tiger tails are not prehensile. There are vertebrae in them. I, I like the idea. Of, I like the idea of catch a tiger by the tail. Well, Baloo does that a little bit earlier. Second, if you tie a burning branch to the tail of this tiger, it's simply going to run and drag the fire all through the jungle, creating an even worse wildfire than he did accidentally. No, I wanted him and to go. And more importantly, it does not actually deal with the problem. Once the fire goes out, the cat gets even more pissed and comes back for revenge again. I like the idea of him tying a uh, tying a burning branch to the tail and him going as he as he gallops into the uh, into the. And it works fine for a cartoon from the late (laughs) fifties. I'm not complaining. I'm really not. It's fine in the movie. It didn't take me out of the movie. Well, I complain. Complain about the unrealistic nature of a single Bengal tiger being able to overpower a large bear and then a pack of wolves by himself. <laughs> um, so that's Which really, really uh, bothered me. Uh, uh, I didn't enjoy this movie part- because I know entirely too much to enjoy it. That, yeah, so they they brave heart the they brave heart the tiger at the end. That you know, Baloo goes in for an attack, Gear goes in for an attack, the wolves all attack at once, and nobody. And instead of all attacking at the same time, they go in waves for some odd reason. And then Mowgli figures out, hey, I can this kill the tiger. This may as by well have been like John Cena fending off the League of Nations. <laughs> all right, that's my only that's my final complaint about not even complaint, but just. As far as things to talk about, I, you know, I didn't want to do the, I didn't want to do the whole like, well, the movie was great, plugs, you know, routine. We do that all the time. Um, so th- that's kind of the only thing I have to say about the movie. Uh, I do want to play my favorite game of uh, what did the critics say, because I do enjoy that. Uh, yeah, my last thing on this again, I didn't, I have no real faults technically. I've gone over all the ones that kind of bothered me. Because, and here's a point that, you know, I have kind of beat over the head a few times on this show. My personal preference is not, does not constitute objective criticism. Objectively, they could have expanded the relationship between Baloo and Mowgli a little bit more, made that a little bit easier. The wolf cubs didn't have to be quite as fluffy. They could have been more realistic. I like your word, fluffified. <laughs> Uh, I found it to be an accurate word. <laughs> uh, and I, think have, I personally think we should have had 20 more minutes of uh, King Louis singing. I would have been completely okay with that. <laughs> but uh, now again, my big thing with this movie is as I'm watching it in my head, I can't stop going. That's not how that works. It's <laughs> not how that works. Bears don't live in the jungle. The Himalayan bear that you're discussing from that part of the region inhabits an entirely different terrain. Oh, wolves are happily letting a tiger come in near their cubs. No, there's a pack 
soon as it shows aggression, they all jump on it, and hey, it's 15 to 1, you should lose that. Bears beat Tigers in fights. <laughs> and if not that, certainly an entire pack of wolves would. And panthers aren't actually a different species, they're black leopards. Mr. Wizard, everybody. Yeah, no, again, what we think of as panthers, you know, black panthers are actually a, it's a recessive gene amongst jaguars. They still have the spots that a traditional jaguar has, but again, recessive gene pool, it's a recessive gene that makes the all, the all over coat that much, you know, that dark, leading you to think they're actually black, but no, they're still jaguars. They're not actually a different species. Everyone got that? Yeah, yeah. This is how my mind works when watching movies. Uh, the the details, I just I can't avoid them. I just can't. Uh huh. Okay. Are you done now? Uh, Gary Shandling as that weird little uh, porcupine was pretty funny. Oh, poor Gary Shandling. May he rest in peace. All right, um, so 94% on the tomato meter, 92% score on Rotten Tomatoes as far as the audience score goes. People liked it. Not too many Rotten reviews. There are 12. I will read them to you because I find them hilarious. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, this part of the show consists of Mark finding reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that differ with our consensus and me beating my head against a wall and explaining why they're idiots. Okay. So this is Christopher Campbell from About.com. A weird movie that wants for so much realism, including the most photorealistic CG talking animals we've ever seen, when there's nothing real about talking animals, period. Uh, I don't find that to be a legitimate criticism, unless your point is the animals are so realistically rendered that the notion of them talking becomes anachronistic even within a fantasy world, which is is a somewhat valid point. Beyond that, it's a kid's movie. There are massive leaps in logic that are going to be taken, like talking animals. Would you have preferred brightly colored Smurfs? (laughs) So this is from Popular Mechanics, Tim Grierson, which I don't really understand what his point here is. This remake's technical miracles are so impressive that, oddly enough, they end up being almost negligible, lost in a sea of confused decisions. Um, the point there probably has to do with overall structure and narrative choices, in which case it's not necessarily a valid point because as a general rule, the narrative is fine. All right. Our good friends over at the New York times. This is from Manhola Dargis, top critic. Hey, Hey, get down, get down. Sorry. My studio recycling business. And while this jungle book is slightly less diverting, it is also disappointing, partly because it feels like a pumped-up version of Disney's 1967 animated film with more action and less sweetness. So we made tonal adjustments to the general popular trends of the period to be slightly more action-oriented and less saccharine? I just, I just read them. Well, uh, when you get done telling those kids to get off of your lawn, sir... <laughs> this is by far my favorite one. This is Nicholas Barber from BBC.com. There were times during the Jungle Book when I was rooting for the tiger. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, if anyone appreciates the ability to root for a villain, it's me. True. I never got well, that, and I'm not entirely sure what happened in this poor gentleman's life to get him to that point where in this instance he is rooting for a, actually for a rather likable child to be devoured by a Bengal tiger. But Hey, you know, apparently I'm supposed to just accept people for who that, for who they claim to be nowadays. Yeah. And they should be able to use what, whatever bathroom they want. Ugh. Stupid. I'm going to beat that ground. All right. Last one. Well, cartoon Panthers, bears and orangutans, Singing, dancing, and fighting is a stuff of pure joy. Uh, it's not an orangutan. It's a gigantic <laughs> Orangutan are not native to that part of India. They made a conscious decision not to have him be an orangutan specifically for that point. Morons. 
<laughs> well, cartoon panthers, bears, and orangutans singing, dancing, and fighting is the stuff of pure joy. Watching life like animals do the same thing isn't nearly as pleasurable. That's from now Toronto, Norman Wilner. So you're now imposing your preference for hand-drawn animation onto this? Or you're having rose-colored glasses with, boy, it was sure better in my day. This is a much better movie than the cartoon by almost every conceivable measure. All right, I'm actually going to read one more here, and it's a fresh review, but it comes across as a, as a rotten review. This is Jay Olsen of, Cine, of Cinemix Tape. If the movie is barely necessary, <laughs> that doesn't negate its computer-generated pleasures or the presence of Bill Murray, who continues to be great at being Bill Murray. That's true. Bill Murray is just kind of great at being Bill Murray at this point. All right. I think we're done here. Um, let me see. Talked about it being deeply inaccurate, but again, not valid criticism because it's not supposed to be. Praise. We did that. We did that. We did the bit. Uh, actually, yeah. I. Well, I mean, as a testament to just, you know, the nature of this movie, there's, you know, we praise what needed to be praised. We critiqued what needed to be critiqued. There's very little in between, and there's not a whole lot worthy of effusive discussion on either side of that. Well, folks, if you're disappointed by our review because you like it when Robert and I, A, rip things to shreds or beat each other over the head, yelling and screaming that the other one is wrong, next week you'll probably get a lot of that. Because next week we'll be reviewing The Huntsman's Winter's War. That movie's going to be so bad. Oh, God, yes. Um, so I'm not going to care because it's the type of movie that is going to be able to kind of revel in that badness. And Chris Hemsworth has enough screen presence and kind of natural charm to get through the weaker moments of movies like that. But it's still going to be terrible, objectively. So next week at 9 o'clock, we'll be reviewing The Huntsman's Winter's War. I'm just going to tell you what we're reviewing. I'm not going to go through the whole bloody schedule. I don't feel like it. Um, uh, we'll, we're Can taking the following week. we couldn't work uh, Nixon and Elvis into the rotation? I don't have time, honestly. I know, I know. Like I said, I just – I saw a preview for it finally earlier this week, and then I caught some of Kevin Spacey promoting it and just – I. It disappoints me that we were unable to kind of make way for that because it looks like the kind of comedy and presentation that you and I would both enjoy. I mean, by by all means, go see it. I'll I'll probably get I'll probably watch it when it comes on on demand, and we can talk about it at the end of the year. Um, but uh, I I don't have enough time in my schedule right now. Uh, well, we, we gotta go see Chris Hemsworth and Charlize Theron in bad CGI next. It's okay. Yes, we do. I think Pat will be on the show with us as well. Uh, if he's well, not sure. beating up. For you guys who don't up. know, uh, my man crush on Chris Hemsworth is absolutely nothing compared to Pat Mullins. So we're taking the, between the May 1st and May 7th, we'll be taking off. Um, however, that's the, that's the way the Civil War comes out. So we'll be reviewing Civil War on May 11th. Um, then we'll be reviewing. Now, starting at Overregulation on the part of Iron Man is entirely correct, and I will be standing up for, you know, truth, justice, freedom in the American way. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um, you so always side Marvel. with Tony Stark, and you know it. Starting in May, take two. Uh, we'll be going pretty much every week throughout the summer. Um, I mean, to the point where there are movies that I'm trying to take my daughter to, and there isn't any time because we're booked up doing other stuff. That's how bad this is. Um, fucking Alice in Wonderland and X-Men come out the same day. It's totally screwing up my schedule. But anyway, we'll be reviewing uh, Captain America Civil War. Can I just say thank you for uh, choosing to go with X-Men as opposed to Alice in Wonderland for us to review? Yeah, Yeah, like there was going to be a... There was any other way to do that for me. Um, Take three. We're going to be reviewing Captain America Civil War on May 11th, Money Monster on May 18th, the Angry Birds movie on May 25th. You're welcome. Um, X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse, June 1st, the day before I turn 40. Uh, 
June 8th, Robert Winfrey is going to uh, be in a bar somewhere drinking his, drink. memories, drinking his memories away, while me and every other nerd that listens to this podcast will be uh, reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Out of the Shadows. I can sum it up for you in a couple of words. Really bad CGI, lots of stuff blowing up, and for some reason, Megan Fox. My, I'm taking my daughter to that, and, and, and hey, don't forget Seamus. As one of as either Rocksteady or Bebop, I don't know which one. Famous. Who? Um, I don't know so, who that yeah. is, Mark. Okay, you don't watch wrestling. Well, Got it. What's your frame of reference for who is this guy? So my my daughter and I will be re, will be watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, and me and a bunch of nerds will be reviewing it on June eighth. Uh, if you want, if, you, if your kid wants to watch the turtles, get the original movie. It's so much better. Well, we all we'll be we'll be we'll be going over the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, franchise movies uh, that same week for Long Road to Ruin. So I'll probably make her watch those as well. In any case, June no, 15th. No, 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 you will not force your child to sit through that third movie. I will call the government. That is categorical <laughs> child abuse. <laughs> that's not the Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go Ninja one, is it? That's number two. No, that's two. Okay. She has Three to see is Go the Ninja, one Go with Ninja. the magical time-traveling uh, lamppost. It's not entirely, I'm not entirely certain she's going to be able to get to the first one, let alone get to the third one. So let's see what happens. Uh, she probably won't enjoy the first one. It's, well, it's accessible to kids. It's not aimed at them necessarily. Two is... Definitely brightly colored, much more kid friendly fare. Go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, it's go ninja. Ice that does go. That. Huh? Vanilla Ice actually does that. I know. My my, my daughter is now getting into into semi modern pop music, so I'm sure she'll love it. I, I got a dose of that and to, no, today. Which three is cool. like you show, you take a copy of. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 to Guantanamo Bay, and you show it on a loop to get people to confess. Okay. Can I get through this? It is June one of the worst movies ever committed to film. It June is 15th. just awful. We'll be reviewing Warcraft, another one that I'm taking my daughter to. Uh, June yeah, 22nd. That might not be the best idea. It'll be awesome. June 22nd, we'll be reviewing... June twenty second, we'll be reviewing Finding Dory, and on Thursday, we'll be uh, we'll be reviewing Orange Is the New Black season four, or at least myself and Sean will be. That will um, be you and Sean. I don't care for Orange Is the New Black. June twenty ninth, uh, we'll be reviewing Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, July sixth, I told you we were going every week. July sixth, we'll be reviewing Tarzan. Uh, July thirteenth. <laughs> July 13th, we'll be reviewing The Secret Life of Pets, which looks hilarious. That does. Um, that does. June 20th will be the best day of 2016. Better than my ch- children's birthdays. Better than my anniversary. Better than WrestleMania. July 20th. Everything we'll be is better than this last WrestleMania. <laughs> July 20th, Robert Winfrey and I will be reviewing the award-winning, critically acclaimed, multi-billion dollar earning Ghostbuster. Uh, guys, guys. <laughs> for those of you who have never heard me tear into a movie for just being terrible before, I would encourage you to go back and do so. There are movies that we have reviewed that I've I find repellent for one reason or another and have decided that just, I can't do it. I need to, the only way to soothe my sanity is with the verbal evisceration of these movies on every level that I find necessary, such as Transformers Age of Extinction, as an example. Which was amazing. For those of you who haven't heard that review, Mark and I yell at at each other a lot. One of our better episodes. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, that is nothing. Nothing. 
compared to what I believe I will have in store for that movie, based on every bit of promotional material I have seen. I'm going to make a prediction now. Don't interrupt me. Let me get this out. Gambit never gets made. I'm going to make a uh, prediction right now. Ghostbusters ends up being the number one worldwide highest grossing movie of 2016. There's no way. I believe it beats... Look, uh, Captain America Civil War, on track to make a billion dollars. Be the first movie of the year to do so. Later in the year, Disney's got Rogue One and Moana, both possibly earning a billion dollars apiece. I believe Ghostbusters beats Avatar. I'm going on the record. Ghostbusters with four women, one of them being Melissa McCarthy, the new Adam Sandler, makes more than don't Avatar in, World. You know what? I would love to say don't insult Adam Sandler like that, but no, he deserves it too. There was a whole article about this. So yeah, I believe Ghostbusters makes all the money this year. And when it does, I'm going to leave a big, bile, a, big ba- a big bag of poop on Gavin Napier's doorstep. You're going to drive up to West Virginia for that, huh? I most certainly am, sir. I'm nothing if not vindictive. And if it does not, what are you prepared to wager in return? We'll talk about that after the show. On July 27th, we'll be be reviewing Star Trek Beyond uh, on August 3rd. Beyond. What are they trekking beyond? And what the hell is going on in that movie? I don't know. Everything's blowing up. And We're going to destroy someone. the Enterprise again because we must, apparently, and Beastie Boys. No! This doesn't make sense! On August 3rd, we'll be reviewing Jason Bourne. Uh, and, and that's a... And I believe that's it for now. I, oh, okay, yeah. D- um, July... Yeah, on August 3rd, we reviewed Jason Bourne, and then we actually take a break? No. I do. I just didn't put it on the calendar. Um, on August 10th, we review uh, Suicide Squad. That movie which, is uh, be such be, a train wreck. Which is going to be the number two movie. Actually, no, we're still going. Uh, one last one, and then, then there's a huge break. Okay, so the last movie of the summer, where we're going every single week from May till through August, the last movie of the summer that we'll be reviewing is Peach Dragon. You know, I don't have an opinion on that one yet. I actually, not, I actually still have not seen the original. The dragon is furry. I saw that, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going with a great big. I don't care. Again, I have never seen the original. I have, therefore, I have no affinity for it. Oh, you've never seen the, the original? So good. Yeah, I'm not a was not a fan of the ability they had at the time to mesh animated with or to mesh hand drawn with live action. It didn't come across very well. I didn't like the visuals as a kid and I just I never saw it. Uh it's it's great. Go you have an opportunity to go go watch it. But uh that's I'd it. Really rather not. Um so that's it. That's all the movies will be that's that's our big summer lineup this year. Uh if you've got something that uh you would like us to review that didn't make the list, uh, let us know. You can contact both of us on Twitter. I'm at Mark Radulich, M-A-R-K-R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H, and Robert is at Winfrey, M-M-A, W-I-N-F-R-E-E-M-M-A. Go ahead and contact us on Twitter. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about our reviews. For those of you who have contacted me on Twitter, uh, I know who you are and I appreciate you. Go ahead. Feel free to continue to give us our, give us feedback. Uh, I certainly enjoy it. And like I said, if there's a movie that didn't make the list that you'd be curious to see what we thought of, uh, maybe we'll find time to sneak it in there and uh, and talk about it. Um, we'll see. Unless we forget our year-end spectacular when Mark and I are able to devote time to movies that we saw but did not get a chance to review. That is correct. All right, go ahead and do your plugs. Uh, this Sunday, Saturday, this Saturday, I have live coverage of UFC 197 in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. John Jones returns. He's going to kill Ovin St. Prude. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is after his eighth consecutive title defense against Henry Cejudo. And Demetrius Johnson is pretty much my favorite fighter. Uh, so I'm excited. 
it's a pretty good card top to bottom. So stop by, say hello, I appreciate it. Uh, this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I host the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. This week we will be reviewing UFC 197, and we will be talking a little bit about uh, you know the major news, such as Conor McGregor's apparent retirement, uh, things of that nature. Uh, so that show takes live callers. Call-in information is given out at the top of the show. Uh, if you want to call in and talk about any of that, tune in. I'll let you know how to do it. And again, Mark and I will be back next week to cover the glorious Schlockfest that is the Huntsman uh, Winter's <laughs> War. Oh, come on. My description is accurate, and you know it. No, I listen, I'm not debating you at all. I'm actually getting myself prepared to hear you scream for an hour and a half about how bad the CGI is. Oh, I will be talking about how bad the CGI is. Here's the flip side. I actually saw uh, Snow White and the Huntsman in theaters. Again, see previous comment about my man crush on Chris Hemsworth. Gay. Also, because Charlize Theron. Gay. How is that gay? (laughs) Anyone who saw... Snow White and the Huntsman in theaters and wasn't and wasn't dragged by their girlfriend is gay. I am clearly evidence of that not being an accurate statement. Gay. No, I'm really not. Gay for homos who like queers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rattle and protest too much. <laughs> Do you ever watch Robot Chicken? No. No. All right. There's there's a there's a bit where where there's a kid doing an internet show and his big brother comes in and messes with him and he does this whole thing. He's like, it, he does a whole bit where he's like, hey, I'm a fag who likes gays, who's queer, and this just just keeps naming, just keeps doing that. And it, for whatever reason, that cracks me up the way that he does it. So yeah, All right. that's it. All right. Well, whatever tickles your funny bone, tickles your funny bone. Uh, my point there was. Yay! If you haven't seen that movie, Charlize Theron's ability to just chew scenery like it's going... I mean, Jack Nicholson has nothing on her performance in this movie when it comes to chewing scenery. It's no great. No way husband so bad should be studied. No, no, it wasn't that bad. It was bad. Yeah. It was, it was bad. Do I need to get out here? Because we watch that shit together at home on video like you're supposed to, and... Like it was, it was. Eh. I mean, Kristen Stewart kind of ruins everything that she's in. But yeah. It was at least and that's, that's why I'm at least looking forward to enjoying this one because they cut out the worst part of that one, which was a Kristen Stewart and b the decision to CGI dwarves. Yeah, but that's the point. Is when they got the CGI dwarves, when the movie really goes off the fucking rails. Yeah, it it, it really does at that point, but. Again, Chris Hemsworth has a ton of natural kind of charm and charisma to him. Charlize Theron looks great in Choose Scenery, and there's a few really nice visuals. There's some really bad CGI, but there are some really nicely done visuals in that movie as well. So we've replaced Kristen Stewart with Jessica Chastain, who is superior in every possible way. And we're now embracing kind of the goofiness of it. And... Bear in mind, I will yell about bad CGI, I will yell about plot holes, I will yell about all of that stuff. I am cautiously optimistic that despite all of that, this movie will wind up being one that I can can enjoy on some level. And that's what I got for that. So, again, come back next week and see where we land on this. I mean, again, if worst case scenario, I get another movie that's on the on roughly on par with Con Air and my ability to pop it in every now and then and just kind of enjoy the ride despite the issues, I'm I'm going to be happy with that. I'm prepared to enjoy the fight scenes and the chewing of the scenery, and that's about it. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that that we get something that is at least enjoyable. All right, which is odd because I'm normally such a deeply pessimistic person. All right, let, let let me hear that end theme song. Let's do this. Uh, theme song? Money. I'm kidding. 
Still don't know who that Seamus fellow is, though. How does he spell that? Oh, name? my God. The Move Irish on. way or the normal way? MoveOn.org. Uh, really? That's the joke you went with? <laughs> I've been saying it for years now. Yeah, you, you need to update your material. Never. All right. Yes, I know. You update about as frequently as, you know, Seth Green or... Oh, that other jackass. Seth McFarlane. End this podcast. No, Boom. No, this, this is entirely too amusing to me. <laughs> All right, anyway. For Mark Radlitz, I'm Robert Winfrey, everybody. We'll see you back here next week. We'll be talking again. The glorious lock of Huntsman Winter's War. Until then, please continue to remember to be safe. Uh, be well, be safe, and be... I bust the freaking out, bro. I'm off my game. Be well, guys. be safe, and behave. I know how it goes. And as always, our, as always, when we end this show, there is our little uh, insight into the mind of a studio executive in Hollywood. Uh, see you next time. Uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>